Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast, brought to you by TargetInternet.com. Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Kieran Rogers. And I'm Daniel Rolls. And today, Daniel, we are going to be talking about stakeholder management. You made that sound very exciting. I'm trying really hard to make it sound exciting. Well, only because it's one of those subjects I actually think... It's really important, but people just run a bit shy of it. Yeah, this this is an interesting one because we did the digital skills benchmark, which you can find on targetinternet.com. You want to find out the state of digital skills uh, around the world. And what we found is that essentially digital marketers are lacking in core marketing and comms communication skills. So what's happened, lots of people have moved into digital marketing. They've learned about how to use social media, content marketing, all the channels. What they haven't learned is a lot of the core fundamentals, like user journey planning and all those sorts of things. So actually, there are some gaps. So they're kind of running before they can walk in some cases. It's kind of slightly unstable, isn't it? It's it's slightly worrying. Well, it is. There's some core strategy skills that are missing. But I think the key thing with stakeholder management is it something that's really practiced in comms teams more than in marketing teams, more often than not? And actually, to put it in context, when I teach at Imperial College, we always tell the students there are certain sets of skills they're going to need. They are going to need tactical skills to do the channels. Mm -hmm. They're going to need strategic planning skills to to plan this stuff. They're probably going to need some IT skills because they're going to have to liaise and manage of IT teams. Mm -hmm. But also they're going to need some soft skills. And the soft skills is the change management and people management piece. And actually, if you think about any digital transformation project, uh, pretty much any digital project at all, really, it involves change. It's going to involve budgets. It's going to involve IT. It's going to involve lots of different people in different departments that probably don't necessarily understand digital. They might be resistant to it. They might see it as being a waste of time. Uh, They might get it, but be paying lip service to it rather than really fully Mm. understanding it. And because of all of that, those people around you will have a massive influence on your ability to get the project finished. And you can be the best digital marketer in the world without the skills to manage people and those those people around you. You're actually going to fail miserably. I'd go a step further than that. The better you are, the more likely there are like detractors and people that really resent like the success that maybe the marketing team get. I've worked in a lot of institutions where, you know, marketing is is celebrated and, and revered, and that's great if you're in the marketing team. But as soon as you step outside the marketing team, you meet lots and lots of resistance and completely get that. Like, it's actually rather annoying, really. It, yeah. it kind of seems unfair because everybody's working really, really hard. And marketing, very often, I think, if you're very good at it, you can be seen as like, oh, the glory boys that sweep in and you know, do all the fancy, funny, bunny stuff. and Well, we still know. work in a, a few organisations that seem to think it's the pretty pictures department still. Yeah. Just go and do, you know, their flyers, catalogues, whatever it may be, and that's, that's marketing. Let our salespeople get on with the real work. And there is still that kind of attitude that goes on. So you can't win, really, can you? Either, well, like, two... I think you can win. Well, really? And I think stakeholder management is the key to oh, it. Oh, I see what you did there. So the, the, good. The, the key thing is here, there will be people... Stakeholder management, I should say as well, isn't just about negative. It isn't just about managing those difficult people that you're going to have to deal with. <laughs> it's actually about finding those people that can help you and getting those on board and, and using them more as well. So quite often we think of stakeholders only as internal stakeholders, people that work for an organisation. You'll actually find that you've got external stakeholders as well. Your 
uh, your agencies are mm. stakeholders. Those people that run the industry bodies are actually stakeholders because they're going to be setting rules and regulations you have to keep to and so on as well. So we need to really identify all of these in order to make our project actually go and work effectively. All right. So let's try and break this down for people. We're kind of stakeholder management 101. Where should you start if you're just embarking on this? I would normally start with stakeholder mapping. And that is just identifying anyone that can have a positive or negative impact and some power over my ability to complete my projects. I would start with internal stakeholders. I would also look at external stakeholders and I would flag those people up and look and gauge them in terms of the level of power they have over my project. Um, I would then list what power they have. So you're listing all these people and you're really looking at what they can and can't do to impact your project. Mm -hmm. I would generally put them into two groups. Uh, One is advocates, Mm -hmm. those people that can help me, and detractors, those people that can stop me. Now, some people might fall into both categories. So you might list against each stakeholder the things they can do to help and the things they can do to hinder from that point of view. Mm. And you probably want to put them in an order of priority because there might be somebody, for example, that actually shouldn't really have any involvement in your project, but they can completely scupper things. And there's a lot of those that you tend to find. Um, And you you need to flag those up. There's also people that you need involvement from throughout the project, like an IT team, and you need to really work out how they can help and hinder you. Now, I would also at this point work out motivations. What is it they're trying to do? Is IT trying to minimise risk? Because they know in reality that if they get involved in your project, it opens a certain level of risk, so they want to minimise risk. That will be one of the motivational factors. There might be other people that are motivated by ego or power, that they want to be involved in the project because they think they should be involved in every decision. Surely not. I think it does Motivated by by ego and power in a large organisation? Can you imagine such a thing? (laughs) Um, there will be other people that are motivated by technical things that they really believe the best way of doing it is doing it this way and you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And there's all those. So you need to work out motivations and power in terms of how much they can impact you. Once you've done that, you want to map the interactions as well. So how each of these different stakeholders can impact each other, um, how they're interconnected. And you end up with a bit of a map. You end up with a bit of a prioritized list. And you hopefully are able to understand their motivations. Very often at this stage, you you might interview people as well. You might say, can I just speak to you about this project? What do you think of it? And and so on as well. Um, some people at this stage say you should probably do net promoter scores as well, where you ask a single question yeah. and you find out if people would basically say this is a good thing or a bad thing. Are we recommending this? Do we, do we think this is good? Or do we think we're doing a negative job around this? And you can kind of see where they sit. Yeah. based on using some sort of variation of NPS. Um, have a look at Net Promoter Score online. There's lots more detail to it, but it, it kind of gives you a very simple question that will give you an answer working out if someone's positive or negative about what you're doing. Hmm. So you map them out, and then what you need to go through and do is work out uh, a kind of plan for each of these people and work out how your actually your stakeholder plan, what you're going to do with them. And normally what that would say is you have rights and you have responsibilities. And the rights tell people, in this project, you have the right to be included in X. You have the right to give our opinions here. You have the right to be included in X, Y, and Z emails. So you're basically telling people what they can expect in terms of the project. But also you tell them their responsibilities. If I email you on this project, we will expect a response within three days. You will be expected to attend these emails. You understand from the outset you won't be involved in this part of things. And what this is really doing is laying down 
an understanding and an expectation of what they're going to get from this project, but how involved they should be as well. And I think that's really important in digital because everyone has an opinion on digital. There are two things in digital I know for a fact that everyone is an expert in. The first is website design. Um, <laughs> everyone knows the best way to design a website. If you show them anything, they'll go, oh, that bit should be blue and that should be, yeah. should be over there and so on. And you might say to people, you'll be involved in two rounds of feedback with the website. Yeah. We won't necessarily take whatever you say to completion, but it will be taken into account. And you need to be very clear about what they can and can't expect. Because if you say to people, we will involve you in this, but then what they tell you doesn't actually get action, that can cause you more problems as well. Mm. Um, the other thing that everyone's an expert in is copywriting. You show <laughs> anyone some copy and they will rewrite it for you and tell you how to write it slightly differently mm. and so on as well. So digital kind of opens itself to this. Design can be very subjective. So on that basis, you want to try and tell people how involved they're going to be, how they can input, what they will be involved in, but also what they won't be involved in. And the process that's going to be gone through and the timescales. So you're very clear on setting expectations. The other thing I found works quite well is you say to people, if you want to suggest X, Y, and Z, this is the process for suggesting it. And it may be, and we've done this before, where you make it quite a burden to make a suggestion. Mm. The logic behind this is if you say we're going to do something in social media and someone comes and says, oh, we should just do this in social media. Well, we should do this in social media. And they don't realize there's a planned out workflow and so on and so forth. It, it's never ending firefighting just trying to do these things. So you say, well, you're very happy to suggest some input, but you have to fill in this form, which has objectives. It has resourcing. It has planning. And it, people are like, yeah, I'm not that bothered. Mm -hmm. So you, you can use it in that way should you want to as it's well. It's a balancing exercise. Completely. Right? Yeah. It is completely because you, you want to get people on board. Yeah. You also want to minimise disruption and you want to create a frictionless environment where you can get things done, basically. So the idea that stakeholder management is this kind of fluffy thing that comms teams just in networking with people and getting people on side, <laughs> it's really not about that. It's very much about a managed process. And what you end up with is a comms plan and that 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 communications or stakeholder plan basically says we are going to do this with these people this with these people and one way of doing it is to identify roles mm. and you might just minimize it down to about four or five different roles and any particular person could be put into one of those roles the most involved people will attend every meeting they'll be cc'd on every email they will attend review meetings whereas there are other people that just need to be um, given the project summary once a month for example as you go through um, and that can be an easy way of doing it because then you can define the roles, say what the rights and responsibilities of each of those roles is going to be. And then you talk to people, you work out their ability to influence your project and you tell them what role they're going to sit in. So well, you're going to sit in that role. Is that okay with you? Mm. And then they've kind of explicitly agreed, yes, these are the communication, these are the rights, these are responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And therefore it should make less friction. I think, I think it's also good because you're establishing what their role is. And so often what organisations do is they get a whole bunch of people in a room and actually no one's made it clear what's expected of anybody and different people run in all sorts of different directions. I've seen that happen and it's it's not it's not pretty. <laughs> no, it's not. And it also, you end up with people actually having really valid opinions, but they're not in a role to input to things. So they don't get actioned and then they get a bit upset by it. And the whole thing of this is trying to minimise, one is to get your project done efficiently. Yeah. But it's also actually about managing morale within a team as well and managing effort. You know, if I waste loads of time inputting to a project, I'm not wanted the input and I've wasted my own time and everyone else's time. 
And equally, if the expectation is you will input into this, yet you don't turn up to the meetings, there's a very clear set of responsibilities that have been laid out um, from the from the very beginning. So it makes a huge difference and it's not formally done an awful lot of the time. So I think that it just makes an awful lot of sense to do this from the outset of a project and just identify your stakeholders, map all these kind of plans out, but it just doesn't get done. And it's amazing because there aren't that many project managers necessarily working in digital marketing teams. Mm. So again, it's a, it's a kind of bit of a skills gap. And we do talk, think, talk about things like agile um, development because that's fallen into one of those topics as a bit of a hot topic for, for digital marketing. But actually the basic principles of stakeholder management are missed an awful lot of the time. And I think marketing teams could probably learn quite a lot from comms teams because this would be 101 training for a lot of comms teams. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure anyone listening that, that does comms say, oh, I know all this stuff, and they'll probably have a, a load of different builds on how they'd approach it and so on as well. But I think just just go off and, and read up a little bit about stakeholder management, and you'll probably find that there's some really core things that you, you can do. Now, one of the things I've noticed that happening a lot more now is if you go and look at persona tools, so there's lots of tools online that will let you build personas. And these are kind of, you know, customer personas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of them now will also do stakeholder management and stakeholder mapping mm. because you can build personas for your customers, but also for your internal stakeholders and external stakeholders as well. And then you can map the connections between those things. So where would you say the customer fits into stakeholders? Because they kind of are the biggest, most important stakeholders. what everybody's running around for, right? That's exactly right. And I, when I do a stakeholder map, I would definitely put the customers on there. And actually, I would even break it down by different personas of customers. Right, okay. And the the positive input they can give you, you can get feedback, all those kind of things. They, still, they can also not buy your product. They can also decide your product's complete duff. They can leave you <laughs> negative reviews. Yeah. So you need to manage reviews. You need to get feedback on different versions of a product or a service as well. So I wouldn't exclude it. And it's, it's an interesting one. In most comms teams, they won't necessarily put the customer as a stakeholder in that way. Mm. But I, I certainly would. And you've got internal stakeholders, external, and you've got the customer. And I'd see that kind of, it's an external, but it is slightly different. It's really important to do that. And it just means you're working out each stage of the communications. And it gets missed because we all get into building our products and services. And a customer goes out the window. Oh, we should do this and we should do that. Well, I mean, we're guilty of this. We were doing it today. Oh, we should do this. And then suddenly then we went, well, actually, maybe we should just focus on the product. Mm. And I think that's the core thing. It gives you a step back. And you go, who's involved in this decision-making process? Uh, and if you if you suddenly look at that properly, you can realise what's going to slow you down. I, I would say, as well, we've got our digital capability framework, which basically looks at the 10 factors that will impact an organisation's ability to implement digital transformation, to get an organisation from where they are now to where they need to be to do digital effectively. And actually... Pretty much all of those involve dealing with people and dealing with change. And, you know, you can be an absolute master of pay-per-click and social media and so on as well. But if you can't persuade your manager that you need to install a plugin on your website because they don't trust you, you've got a problem. So it's just basics of project management, but it's just missing in digital marketing. Um, And I think as digital marketing moves more and more quickly, some of these core skills are getting missed. And that's what the digital skills benchmark has shown us as well, is that when we tested people on questions around uh, core marketing skills, core communication skills, core strategy skills, people just didn't have this knowledge. And what we found is the more senior people are a bit more aware of this because they probably worked in marketing for a bit longer. They probably worked in a broader set of marketing, not just digital, whereas a lot of people moving into digital in the last five years have gone straight into digital without a formal marketing background and actually just don't have some of those core 
core skills. And it, it wasn't seen as sexy or exciting either. So for that reason, it gets missed. So take a step back. Have a look at your project management skills, your stakeholder management skills. Uh, go through, think about some of the soft skill stuff and to see if you formalized your training. Um, our e-learning platform, of course, has got a load of stuff on stakeholder management. So we've expanded it now to go well beyond digital marketing. There's a load of communications and strategy skills and marketing core skills in there as well. So go and sign up for the free trial. If you want to, by the way, shouldn't really encourage this. But if you want to, you can sign up for the 14-day free trial, do everything, and then unsubscribe and you won't pay a penny. Um, I say that because I think hopefully you'll see the value in there and you'll, you'll carry on being a subscriber. But the content's there if you want to access it. So uh, sign up for that free trial. So I wanted to ask in particular, Daniel, how do you approach the detractors? Because I think very often, you know, your advocates, we're, we're all comfortable with, with advocates. But when faced with detractors, sometimes it can be quite threatening and quite daunting. And sometimes there can be, you know, a real kind of chasm to to bridge across between different different departments so especially if this hasn't been done particularly well in the past and other yeah. teams um and individuals have, have have kind of suffered the consequences how do you how do you go about winning over people that you know really don't see the value in what you what you're doing i think there's a couple of ways but one of the core things start with motivations and just work out why it is they're negative about the whole thing if that's historical is it that there is a tension between their department and, and so on as well? But if you once you work out motivations, it should clarify how you're going to move things forward. So if, for example, um, people just don't see the value in what marketing is providing, it is very much about talking about return on investment with them. It's very much talking about measurement frameworks and all those sorts of things. There is a bit of a chicken and egg situation going on at the moment where what tends to happen is we need to put measurement frameworks and IT and infrastructure in place mm. to be able to measure the return on investment in the first place. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you need investment in IT and systems without having actually proved return on investment because you can't prove the return on investment because you haven't got the IT and systems. Mm. So in that case, you need someone very senior's buy-in. So sometimes the only way of countering some detractors is having someone more senior than being very positive about things. And if you get them vocally to talk about their positivity towards the project and how much they're on board with it, it's less likely that those people that aren't persuaded are going to go, no, and I, I still refuse to do this. So you might have to do it through getting other people involved. You want to prove return on investment. It might be the fact that you're just saying to them, this will allow us to prove return on investment if that's their motivator. So it does change on a case-by-case -case basis, but it is working out their motivations. And once you've worked that, you can probably work out a solution. To sitting and speaking to people and actually valuing their opinion, I found nine times out of ten fixes the issue anyway. Did you know a lot of the time, just listening, mm. like get, let them get it off the chest? Yeah. Actually, that can be a, a very cathartic experience for them and actually really just just being heard and you know, having their angles heard um, can, can, can really you know, break some ice. I think the thing is what you've got to be careful of is that if you do stakeholder meetings in groups is the other thing I found that it can go downhill because it turns into a group moaning session. <laughs> and actually what you want is to do it on an individual basis because people tend to be a bit more reasonable on an individual basis sometimes. I find coffee and cake always helps. Yeah, I think that also helps yeah. as well. And I think it's just saying, okay, this is what we're trying to achieve. Uh, this, I want to find out your opinions on this. Uh, if you're going to be one of these roles, we would expect you probably to be this role. Do you agree with that? Mm. 
these are your rights as that. This is what we will definitely give you. But these are your responsibilities to go with it. Are you happy doing those things? Or would you prefer to be this yeah. particular role? And it might be that you break that down into a couple of different sessions, right? Depending on yeah. what the relationship like. So sometimes if it, if there is a big chasm, I've always found I should just go in and listen and work out what mm. the problem is. Like identify the solution, identify the problem before you start trying to provide yeah. or guessing at the solution, which can actually be even more more damaging. Yeah, That's it. And I think the earlier you can do this, the better. So just asking people the question in the first place, then going back to them and say, well, we listened to what you said, and this is our plan based on that. Do you agree with our solution? Yeah. And then you kind of tend to work through that a bit more effectively. So it's just something that needs to be formally part of the project, but it it's something in digital transformation that is absolutely essential and probably the biggest block to most organisations doing this kind of stuff effectively. And work out people's motivations. The difficulty can come when people's motivations are are at odds with your project Mm. and actually that's when you have to get other people on site to counter it sometimes as well um there was an interesting thing i mean you should probably tell this as well from the interview you did the other day Mm. um about when the board is potentially at odds with what the company should actually be doing yeah so do you want to clarify? Yeah, so, we, well, some of you will have already heard this this interview, um, but we, when we spoke to Tom Goodwin, who wrote Digital Darwinism, he makes a really good point in his book that actually very often the best interests of a, of a company, if it's going through a period of rapid change within their industry, uh, are much more medium to long term, and therefore they'll be directly at odds with the interests of the 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 like the governing power, um, you know, the leaders within the organisation. Because a lot of leaders, very often they're, should we say, longer in the tooth because they're the most experienced. Um, and actually, you know, very often they're rewarded with um, like stock options and what have you. And they're, they're therefore very risk averse because they're only looking maybe short term, three to max five years. Um, so they can kind of retire, sell less stock options, or maybe they're, you know, preparing the the, the business for sale um, so they can bail out and cash in those stock options. And so actually, they're not necessarily prepared to, you know, take the leap to, you know, massive investment in in a future technology or a, a future structured organization, which could cost hundreds of thousands of, of pounds and not see any direct reward within the short tenure that that they'll be experiencing within the company so it's a it's a ch- challenge right so it's a problem that i think a lot of businesses are actually stuck within and they are the people that hold the power so you know what's to be done i think there's a, a whole issue here even if it's not about stock options just short-termism mm. um, i report to the board or we are the board and we have to look at you know quarterly results yeah. and actually you might have to take a hit to invest in something to build it for the future that I mean, what I would say with this as well, because some people in stakeholder management, this is a fundamental issue where you go, the board, I can't change anything because the board don't want to do this. Mm. Well, actually, maybe that company's doomed. Yeah. And I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but we've done this before where we do an assessment of an organization with a digital marketing team. And if the board haven't got the long term interest, you have to say, actually, you're not going to be able to succeed here. It might not actually be possible. And the lifetime of that, that company will be limited by those things. So there are some hard truths that come out in this sometimes it, as well. Absolutely. Sometimes you just have to realise you're flogging a dead horse yeah. and it's not going anywhere. Move on. So I think stakeholder mapping can help you do that as well and really make, if you're really struggling to get anything done in an organisation, a stakeholder mapping exercise can help you sit back and make some career options as well yeah. and actually make decisions about your own personal life, how you're going to change your career going forward. Yeah. 
Um, but it might also allow you to go, well, that person's against, that person's against it. But I have got this pocket of people over here. We could leverage that and we can hopefully make a decision and we could do something to prove that this works. That's, that's the other thing I found as well is that if the big project can't be completed, you look at any smaller projects that you can prove what you're doing works to get more buy-in for the bigger projects Definitely. as well. And that can have a big impact on the overall process. Definitely. And you know, the thing I would say is this stuff is always hard. Change is always hard. And the bigger the organisation, the harder that will become because typically there's more and more people involved. So yes, on the one hand, we're saying, you know, sometimes you could be looking down the barrel of a gun and flogging a dead horse. Mm. But I would say... So many analogies. I know, right? But actually, you have to be, you know, quite quite focused on this and don't don't give up at the first hurdle um it is hard and you have to explore every avenue of possibility before you come to that kind of well it's a dead horse conclusion i think what's interesting is that marketing has found itself in this position now where marketing is finally doing what it should be doing which is actually having a strategic impact on the business and suddenly we're going this is really hard yeah and it's because that strategic (laughs) stuff is is the kind of planning in that level of decision making is really difficult as well what i would say as well very reflective of how the whole industry has changed and why this has become important is that if you look at in the marketing digital marketing world you had digital marketing agencies then you had marketing agencies that did digital as well and you've got a mix of all that kind of stuff suddenly when you have got Deloitte and Accenture and KPMG and all these other big consultancy firms mm. moving into this space, you say, well, how's that happened? And what's really happened is that they've realised that actually what this is now about is change and IT and systems and process, which marketing never used to concern itself with as well. But actually these, these firms have been doing this kind of work for a long time. So suddenly marketers, particularly digital marketers, are having to gain a whole new skill set that goes with that and allows that change to, to go over. So, yeah, look at change management, look at stakeholder management, look at process engineering, all those kind of things, and round out your skills so you can actually get your projects done effectively. And the other area I'd encourage you all to read around and explore and just kind of get really involved with is leadership. And there's mm. a ton of really inspiring stuff on on leadership. And so often, because we're not necessarily the CEO, we just assume that oh, well, we're not the leader. Yes, you are. You totally are. If you're going to try and bring about change in any organisation, you've totally got to master those leadership skills. And there's so much help, guidance and advice out there for it. And it's it's possibly one of the most challenging, but one of the most rewarding areas you can be involved in. You know, we, we've both found that within, within our careers. So, you know, but it requires quite a lot of time and investment to you know get in there and you know learn what other people have done and and what's worked and be inspired by you know the successes that others you know literally mere mortals like yourself have 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 achieved there's no end of case studies out there and encourage you to seek them out and seek out you know experts within the area and follow them on social media and kind of absorb what they have to to share with you yeah i think this is a kind of final thought the too too many digital marketers we focus on our digital marketing skills which is great, but actually we need to broaden our set of skills. Too busy face-tweeting, Daniel. Yeah, well, that's it, right? And, <laughs> and actually, we should be much more focused on broadening our skills and, and reading around things. So if you don't, have a read around, listen to some podcasts. There's loads of good project management podcasts out there as well. But go back to the first episodes, because what you tend to find is they do the really advanced stuff in the later episodes, and they've covered some of the fundamentals earlier on. So definitely worth looking at that. So good luck with all your stakeholder management. Uh, let us know how you've got on with it. Some of your success and horror stories. And we'll speak to you again on the Digital Marketing Podcast. Thanks very much for listening to the Digital Marketing Podcast. 
If you want to continue your learning journey, get over to targetinternet.com and do our digital skills benchmark. It's completely free. It will assess all of your digital skills, tell you where your skills gaps are, and recommend lots of free content to continue your learning journey. So get over, do the digital marketing skills benchmark, and continue your learning journey today.